Welcome to the Healing Embodied Podcast, where we have real and raw conversations about growth and healing that will shift your perspective in profound ways. We take a unique approach to healing the overthinking mind, creating conscious relationships, and living a life of courage and freedom. So take a deep breath and get ready to expand your mind, connect to your body, and activate your spirit. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Healing Embodied Podcast. This is your host, Chelsea Horton. It's been a while. I think it's been two months since I've released an episode. Um, And that's because I was traveling. My husband and I, for the first time ever, we spent two months away from home. Um, We took an RV cross country from California to Florida to be with family for two months over the holidays. We were there from Thanksgiving to end of January. My sister had a baby. There was a lot. And I'm actually going to do another episode um, about what what came up for me during that time. I'm going to do another episode about that probably after this one. But today I felt really inspired to do an episode today about shame Um, you've heard me talking about shame probably throughout several of the other episodes, but today I want to talk about how shame doesn't always seem like shame. Shame hides. Shame is kind of in the background. Shame doesn't always look like, oh, I hate myself and I'm the worst. Shame doesn't always appear so overt like that. And so what I wanted to do today was walk you through the many ways that shame has masqueraded itself throughout my life, where I I didn't know it was shame at first. And the many different hosts that shame uses, shame always has to have a host. Um, it, It wants a vehicle um, to, to transport itself, I guess. Shame will always use something in your life, whether it's your looks, your weight, your sexuality, your desires, your thoughts. Shame always looks for a host that feels very near and dear to you. Because the the closer the host is to you, the more embedded and intertwined shame can be. And, and shame begins to embed itself in your sense of identity. So it's always going to look for a host that's related to who you believe yourself to be. And that's why shame is, is so sneaky because it really, again, it embeds itself into pockets of our identity into pockets of our humanity. It loves to use our own humanity against us. Shame loves to use the messy, complex imperfectness of the human experience to fuck with us. <laughs> it, it, it makes us believe that our humanity is wrong, that who we are fundamentally is wrong or bad. But again, it doesn't always 
seem that way on the surface. Again, uh, for me, I've never been the type of person who would walk around and and claim to be someone who had low self-esteem. Like I, I've always come across and believed myself to be a confident, self-assured person. I've been a performer since I was like 11, um, maybe younger. You know, I've been, I've been a person who can go on stage and act and sing and dance and talk in front of people. So, you know, for me, you wouldn't think that shame played such a big role in my life because in so many ways I wasn't hiding. In so many ways I was so fine with being seen by other people. But the thing about shame is that shame also can look like perfectionism. Shame can also look like I present all of my quote-unquote good attributes to the world And then there are these attributes about myself that I believe can't even be seen. So I don't even acknowledge them. They are buried. This is my, it's it's my shadow side, right? It's, it's the stuff that lingers in the shadows that I don't even allow to come forth. Um, And I only present the parts of me that I have been told are good and acceptable and worthy of love and everything else it, it remains in the shadows. So that's that's kind of the, the framework and the groundwork I wanted to lay out for you when it comes to how shame manifests and how it really has played a role in my life specifically. So let's start at the very beginning. Yes, I went there. <laughs> so um, one of the biggest ways that shame manifested for me. And this is a bit more of an overt, obvious way. And I've talked about this uh, in episode one, I've talked about this in a couple other episodes. But being raised in a, uh, you know, conservative, fundamentalist, evangelical Christian household, um, and, and shame being so intertwined with the spiritual framework you know, I am overtly told that my body is sinful, that my sexuality is sinful. It's a stumbling block. It's what can cause people to go to hell. It's the thing that's going to separate me from God, my body, my sexuality, my desires uh, for sex before marriage, like the, the impulses, the thoughts, like those things make me dirty, unworthy. Um, And especially if I were to act on them, like the level of guilt and shame that would accompany that would be immense. I was terrified, terrified of having sex before marriage because I really believed that like, it was going to separate me from God. I like had this sense in my body that the ground would just open up beneath me and swallow me and that I would just be forever tainted. And so for me, shame manifested as me being a very pure, very a very good, good girl who had a lot of boundaries and um, had you know, was very 
careful with her body, which again has that has a lot of benefits and merit. And but for me, it was I'm only worthy when I'm quote unquote sexually pure, whatever that means. I'm only worthy if I save myself until marriage. I'm only worthy if I don't um, follow my sexual desires, my sexual impulses. That That's the part of my humanness that is bad. That's the part of my humanness that I have to suppress. That's a part of my identity as a sexual being that is is bad and wrong and and not allowed to be expressed and celebrated. And so as a teen, you know, I had so much, for me, the shame actually manifested as anxiety. I had so much anxiety about, um, about messing up. And, you know, I, I had like a boyfriend in, in early high school and, you know, we'd make out and stuff. But even like that, after that, I'd feel so much guilt and shame. And I would, you know, kind of go to youth group and just repent. I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry, God. I've, I've done, you know, like this part of me is bad. You know, learning that as an emerging adult, as a teen who's learning about her body and her sexuality, I, I learned that that part of me was something that had to be so severed and cut off. Um, and that followed me through adulthood that followed me and in my relationship with um my now husband Matt oh my goodness the level of anxiety around that was so intense you know i the shame shame cornered me into this very rigid good girl role right the good girl role is a manifestation of shame this belief that I have to be quote unquote good. And and the definition of good is different according to the cultural and social context that you're in. Um, Good according to the people who are around you. So that could be different for so many people. But for me, good meant, you know, not having sex before marriage, um, not using swear words, not dressing a certain way, um, you know, kind of being appropriate um, not being too showy or too, um, not showing too much skin. Like there was, you know, being nice, being, being the, the nice, sweet girl, um, because those attributes of my humanness are acceptable and worthy of love. But my desire for darkness and, and my sexual impulses, those are bad. Those are wrong. My desire to, to scream, fuck you. <laughs> my, my desire to, to take care of myself first. Those are all bad and wrong. Those are not allowed. And so, you know, getting into a relationship with, you know, I was, what, 22 when I got into a relationship with my now husband, Matt. I'm 31 now. Um, and you know, I, we, we made out on our first date. And to me, that was such a huge deal. Yes, I'm 22 years old, y'all. I'm a almost 23, a full grown adult panicking because she made out with a guy that she really, really liked on their first date. 
I mean, I like called a couple friends and I like confessed. And, you know, I had some friends who were kind of like, Chelsea, what? What's wrong? Like, it's fine. And then, of course, I had some friends who were still very much in that religious context. They're like, well, you know, it's okay. You know, we mess up sometimes and we just have to repent. And, but, you know, the shame around my body, the shame around my sexuality, the shame around just that part of my humanness, which is, is a part of all of our humanness, is our bodies, our, our, our sexuality, our desires. There was so much shame around that, that if I, if those parts of me came into the light, if they wanted to express themselves, if they wanted to be seen, I was filled with so much anxiety that that inner good girl in me would start to panic. Like, oh gosh, no, these bad parts aren't allowed to come out. These bad parts aren't allowed to be seen. You know, you have to be good. You have to kind of fit yourself into this box of goodness, this box that I was handed and told, this is what it means to be good. This is what it means to be a worthy person. I was handed this box and said, make sure all of your humanity fits in this box. And anything that doesn't fit in this box is never allowed to see the light of day. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's really great stuff to hand uh, a young and developing mind. So, you know, aside from, you know, the, the sexual part of my humanity, just even the idea of making mistakes, failure, um, not being perfect, you know, these were parts of me that I learned subconsciously and, and, and consciously that these are parts of me that are worthy of shame, that I should feel ashamed for them. And so the shame also manifested in me obsessing about getting it right, making the right choices, making good choices. And, and so I would obsess about every decision I made. I had to make sure that it was right and it was good because God forbid I was a human being who didn't have all the answers. God forbid I was a young adult who was finding herself and, and figuring out what she wanted and learning and exploring God forbid. <laughs> and so for me, the shame, again, often manifested as anxiety about my choices. And this, of course, as I've talked about in previous episodes, manifested most loudly and obviously in my choice in relationship and panicking about, you know, am I with the right person? What if this isn't the right person? And years down the road, we get a divorce. And of course, I had so much shame story around what it meant to be a person who gets divorced, uh, being raised in the church, divorce is very frowned upon. So I had to make sure that I, I did everything in my power to not be the person who gets divorced because shame, 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 shame. So shame manifested in, you know, getting it right, the anxiety about getting it right. So that's how the shame manifested for a lot of years of my life. And it took so much work to divorce <laughs> shame from my sexuality, to divorce shame from making mistakes and being imperfect, and to separate shame from my body and my humanness, and to begin to learn that my humanness is 
what also makes me divine and is, is worth celebrating. And when I allow these shadow parts into the light and I integrate them into who I am and I welcome these parts of me to the table, I feel so much more at ease with myself. The anxiety naturally dissolves. There is this sense of harmony within myself, a sense of oneness, a sense of interconnectedness, of inner congruence. I'm not fighting with parts of myself, these parts of myself anymore, with my body, with my sexuality, with making mistakes, with, you know, not getting things right and not being perfect. So, you know, that took me years. And again, I talk about this a lot in episode one. Um, That was a huge part of my shame and anxiety story. But the thing about shame is that it lives in lots of different pockets (laughs) of our psyche. And sometimes those pockets of shame aren't revealed until we walk into a new chapter of our lives and face situations that we haven't faced before. And so, you know, I had worked through so much of that shame. And I was like, okay, like, wow, I'm good. I'm free. I'm shame free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no more. No more of that uh, shame can can trap me anymore and can imprison me anymore and shame being very persistent very um determined showed up in my life in other ways and I didn't realize that this shame was still living in this pocket of myself until I started a business until I started healing embodied until I started a social media account where It kept growing and kept growing and kept growing. And I'm being seen by more and more people. And shame for me manifested in several ways in this new chapter of my life. I was so afraid of of being seen as selfish because the shame story was, you know, in order to be a good person, you have to be selfless. You have to be willing to give of yourself. You can't be someone who charges money (laughs) to work with you. You can't be someone who charges for your time. Like, you need to be someone who works for free and obviously, like, lives off of fairy dust. I don't fucking know. But there was so... I realized there was so much shame hidden around this idea of being a giver. Oh, if if you're someone who helps someone... Here's the shame story... It's very subtle, very sneaky, and it sounds sounds like accurate, right? If you want to help people, if you want to be a, a quote-unquote a healer, you can't charge money. You can't make money. You can't, you didn't, and here's something I learned in my, my dance therapy programming, you don't go into this for the money. So many of us counselors and therapists and helpers, we are fed this narrative, you don't go into this for the money. You don't, you, you want to help people. You don't go into this for the money. Okay, side note, why do you think social workers and therapists are the most underpaid, high, most highly educated people? Because we're fed this fucking shame story. And so we accept low, 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 low paying jobs for the six years of education plus thousands of hours of clinical supervised work we have to do. Anyway, okay. 
Ooh, you can tell I'm fired up about this one because me and Shame have had a lot of conversations about it. So, you know, I, I realized I had this, this shame narrative living under the surface about what it meant to be someone who desired to help other people. About what it meant to be someone who wants to serve others and to be a good healer, a good coach, a good therapist. That means you have to be willing to abandon yourself, abandon your other desires. Because I also have this desire for wealth. I have a desire to not struggle with money. Not only not struggle, but to be able to pay for things that I want to have in my life, especially growing up low, 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 middle class and always seeing my parents struggle for money. I had this desire, you know, like I want to do things differently. I want to build wealth for myself and my family. I want to be able to, you know, pay for things that I want to have and and not worry about this. You know, like, is that not an okay desire? But according to shame, that wasn't an okay desire. It was only okay to like, you know, it's okay to like make the bare minimum. It's okay to just have your bills paid, but to to want to desire anything above that is selfish and wrong and bad and how dare you and who do you think you are? And so this shame story about what it meant to be a good helper, healer, coach, therapist manifested in so much anxiety when people would comment about my prices people you know I'd post something and say like hey I have this program this is how it's going to help you it's this long this is all you get and every now and then every now and then I get someone who posts an incredibly angry comment about how much that service is and I would get so anxious I would get so my body would start tensing up and contracting because like oh my gosh what they're doing is reflecting back an active shame story oh my gosh they see me as the bad person that I know that I am I must see I I must be a bad person uh, you know shame is like haha see 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 how terrible you are see how selfish you are you're not you know helping every single person on the planet who needs it so you're a horrible person and and so my inner good girl the anxious part of me is like oh my gosh how do I how do I this part of me would want to prove that I'm not a bad person it would want to prove that I'm not selfish it would want to prove that you know I I I have all these good desires my desires are good and I I want to help people with them you know the money I have is going to go directly back to helping other people and it was just this constant loop of the shame saying in order to be good in order to be worthy you have to be selfless. And, you know, the thing is about starting a business, you start a business because you want to make money. No one starts a business and wanting it to tank because they don't make any money. You start a business because you hope it's going to be successful. And in the business world, a successful business is one that generates consistent revenue. (laughs) And so, you know, I wanted to start a business so I didn't have to work in the system where I was overworked and underpaid and getting burnt out and getting compassion fatigue and and honestly starting to not even enjoy being a therapist because it was 
exhausting. And so I wanted to start a business that allowed me to do what I love and to help people in a profound way and be compensated for what I believe the value of my time and my energy and my expertise and my work is. And so this shame around being bad because I want money, this shame around this desire that I have for abundance and for to create wealth, especially, again, as a woman who's in the helping field, I, I heard over and over and over that that's not allowed, that, that those two simultaneous desires can't exist. I can't simultaneously desire helping others and being of service and desiring money. Again, remember, shame wants to put us in a box. It wants to say, here's what you need to do in order to be good. And all the things that don't fit in this box, you've got to just cut off. But the fact is that these two desires were still there. And so I was just constantly fighting with myself and trying to reconcile those two things. Instead of looking at the shame story and saying, wait a minute, is that true? Is that actually true? That I'm a bad person if I desire to help people and I also desire to create wealth for myself. Is that true? Or is this shame who has sneakily embedded itself into my system, into my sense of identity, into my desires, into my humanity, and realizing like I, I can't put myself in a box. I can't just cut off parts of me and pretend that they don't exist. And so it's, I've had a business now for over three years and it has taken me three years to say this stuff and not feel a twinge in my body. A twinge of, oh God, if people know this about me, if people know that I actually like would love to be rich and wealthy, <laughs> oh my God, they would hate me. They would see how horrible I am. They would see that I'm actually selfish and that no one's going to want to work with me because they're going to know that I'm, I'm not a good healer. I'm not a good helper. I'm not a good person. And to be able to claim this right now and just like feel the this ease in my body like is just a testament to the work that I've done with shame and the ability to look at it square in the face and say let's go let's do this let's hash this out who are you where did you come from whose voice are you And to learn to bring my shadow side into the light. And for me, it's, it's this inner rich bitch. That's my shadow side, the shadow side of my helping, healing part of me, which is very real, very true, very present. But there's also the shadow side of me, this rich bitch. I want to have multiple houses. I want to be able to go to fancy dinners. I want to be able to have the things I desire. To bring her into the light and to say, guess what? You're worthy of love too. You're worthy of being seen too. And it's 
I might show you to the world. I might show this side of me to the world and I might have angry comments and I might have people say, how dare you? And I might have people say, you should be this. You shouldn't be that. And I might have people try to guilt me into not having those desires. And to be able to remain anchored in who I am and remain anchored into who I know that I am and my sense of integrity, my sense of identity, and to know that I love all parts of my humanness, my selfishness, my givingness, my dirtiness, my pureness, my goodness, my badness, my light, my dark. To know that I am actively working on a loving relationship with all parts of me. And to know that I love these parts of me so that if other people hate these parts of me, yes, I might feel uncomfortable because it feels like I'm being exposed. But at the end of the day, I know that all parts of me are worthy. All parts of me are allowed. They're allowed to be seen. There's space for them. There's space for all seemingly contradictory desires. There's space for all of them. And actually, when I allow all parts of my humanity to come forward and I'm not acting from shadow, right? This shame and shadow place. I am of better service to the world because if I continue to shame certain parts of me, these parts come out in sideways, backwards ways. For example, like if I were to continue shaming the parts of me that desire wealth and the parts of me that you know, want to be compensated generously for for my work, if I were to continue shaming that part, then I'd probably, it'd probably come out in a very manipulative way of me trying to prove that I'm good and nice and helpful. It wouldn't be authentic. It wouldn't be true. It wouldn't be genuine. It would be this, really, it becomes manipulation. How do I make sure that people see me in what I believe to be a good light? How do I constantly contort and manipulate other people's perceptions of me so that they can see me as good and so that they're not uncomfortable with these other parts of me? And that, when we look at that, that's kind of fucked, right? But but we all, we all do that, right? I'm sure I still do that in many ways. But this, this part of me, that desires wealth i'm i'm no longer putting this outside of the box and and shaming it and shunning it and i'm able to be very upfront with what i desire and what i require for my time and energy and expertise and the power of my work and so i'm not trying to pretend that I'm, you know, something that I'm not. I'm not trying to, you know, lower my prices, but then I'm secretly actually resentful. And, you know, I'm, I'm having to neglect my needs and desires to help other people. 
again, that just leads to resentment. And I have learned from working in mental health in the past that resentment, the energy of resentment, is not a great uh, starting point for being able to have compassion and empathy for people and their, their pain. So this is my, my declaration that I am bitchy, selfish. I love making money. I love it. I get so much pleasure from making money. I get pleasure from being able to pay my staff more. I get so much pleasure being able to pay myself generously. I get so much pleasure in being able to make my home a beautiful space for me to live and work and be for me and my husband and my dogs. I love them. I get so much pleasure and enjoyment out of making money. And I get so much pleasure out of helping people and serving people and supporting people and witnessing people in their pain. Both, both are true. Both are part of my humanity. Both of those desires are allowed. Both are worthy of being brought into the light. Both have a seat at the table. And again, it's taken me three years to be able to say this out loud, knowing that other people are going to hear it and witness it and not feel like I'm going to throw up. (laughs) Shame is sneaky. If we find our shame through the things we judge in other people. If you judge another woman for being too sexually expressive, you probably have shame about your own sexual and sensual expression. If you judge other women for being financially successful and for wanting money, you probably shame yourself for that desire. If you judge other women for dressing a certain way, or judge other men or other people, whoever. I'm talking as a woman who sees a lot of women judging other women and who has received judgment from other women. But if you find yourself judging something in someone else, it's likely that that is actually pointing you to your shadow, to your shame story, to the pocket of shame that you have toward that aspect of yourself. Our shadow is what contains our shame. Our shame points us to our shadow side. So, and also, we can also find our shame through the things that we always exalt and exemplify and put on a pedestal as good. And we're always trying to make sure that we are seen as good. So if if you see uh, being nice and kind and helpful as good and exemplary, which it's amazing. Yes, let's be kind and helpful. But what's what's the shadow side of that? Are you also denying the fact that you have selfish parts of you? 
that sometimes you are mean and sometimes you are not kind. <laughs> and when we own, when we can own these parts of ourselves, when we can own these parts of our humanity, they no longer come out in these crooked sideways, uh, you know, manifestations. When we own them, we can integrate them and we can call upon these different parts of ourselves in different situations and then they can be useful instead of hurtful. They can be utilized in a productive way instead of coming out in ways that we consciously don't want them to and then we feel shame and then we whip ourselves for how bad we've been and we put it back into the the closet and then it just the cycle starts all over again so look your shame straight in the face look at the parts of you that you have deemed as wrong and bad and unworthy and unlovable and and the parts of you that you've tried to shove into this box that someone else has handed to you look at those things just start be curious <laughs> Just be curious. Be curious. Curiosity is a wonderful antidote to shame because shame likes to label and judge and categorize our humanity. And curiosity says, hmm, let me look at this in a non judgmental way and let me see how I might be able to shift my relationship with this part of myself. How could this part of me that I've believed is bad, how could this part of me actually be really useful and beneficial and a, and a joyful part of my human existence? Yeah. Of course, there's, there's so much nuance that I could go on and on about when it comes to shame and our shadow and the parts of us and the desires that we have banished away. But I'm, I'm just going to leave you with with what we've chatted about today. And I hope it's given you a sense of permission to own the parts of you that you have believed are bad and wrong. Or to even question the things that you have believed are good and worthy. Right? If we only believe certain parts of us are good and worthy, and we believe other parts of us are are bad and unworthy let's start to question that let's question that is that true is that true and can we begin to just see ourselves as human beautiful wonderful glorious divine fucked up messed up <laughs> humans <laughs> and can we hold two contradictory seemingly contradictory truths simultaneously all right. This was a very fun episode for me to make. I'm I'm all excited to release it. And I'm I know that there's going to be some people listening who get a bit kerfuffled. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay if you find parts of you getting kerfuffled with me owning parts of me that you have deemed as bad. Let that be an invitation for you to be curious about your own shame stories and your own shadows. I love you. All parts of you are welcome and worthy and deserve to be 
seen and understood and acknowledged. Okay. I hope this episode was fun for you to hear. Uh, It was very fun for me to share this with you. All right. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Share this with someone who might need to hear it. And I can't wait to chat with you next time.